Previously on Transformers Chronicles. Next up, we have our Transformers expert, the lesser half of Mary with Comics. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Dylan. Hello. <laughs> the provider of knowledge, Jonathan Schaefer Haynes. The lesser half of Married with Comics? Don't you think that's a bit much? Mm, not really. Me neither. I'm right here. I can hear both of you talking. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's not terrible. No, not all the time. I can still hear you. Anyway, I was just going to say, it's one thing to say it and another to demonstrate it. You're really hurting my feelings. How about I hang around this episode and drop some Transformers truth bombs on you boys? It's okay with me, Pat. I'm transforming into a pipe again. (laughs) (sighs) Pat's going to be a while. Oh, hey, John. Your wife's going to be on the show tonight. I know. I've been here the whole time. Truth Bombs, here on Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. Hello, and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. In case you're new to the show, welcome, and let me tell you what this thing is all about. We're going for a wild, crazy ride learning about the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, the Transformers. Our prime focus is on the U.S. version of the comics, but we will dive into the world of Marvel UK comics at some point. In either case, this podcast is absolutely guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. But I'm not alone on this crusade. First up, we have the founder of the Longbox Crusade, the novice to the Transformers world, the seeker of the Matrix of Knowledge, Pat Sampson. Pat, what's up, man? Oh, not a whole lot. You know, since the last time I've been here, I've been having these headaches. Hmm. And I start to see things, circly things, and things start to lift up. Hmm. And I don't know, you know. But next thing you know, you know, I got a new car, so I'm going into Autobots. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like things are working out pretty good for you. I think so. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Hopefully no one comes looking for that because there could be trouble. Meh. I'll take him out. Watch out for airplanes. All <laughs> right. Next up, we have our Transformers expert, the lesser half of Merit with Comics, the provider of knowledge, Jonathan Schaefer, Hames. John, talk to me. How has your life transformed since last episode? Well, since last episode, well, a whole bunch of stuff's been going down. Uh, most notably, uh, Maggie and I... Uh, found a new apartment that we're going to move into so that should be fun that's kind of about it everything else is pretty normal yeah i mean i've, I've moved a time or 12 13 not fun, yeah. it, not it, fun. it's not but it was time and it will be a new adventure that we are looking forward to but delvin we can't forget about you man has your life transformed in any way I think so. I mean, it's been a few weeks ago, but since last podcast, I had a birthday. My 42nd time around the sun, so yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Well, thank you. Thank you. I will extend the birthday as long as I can. I can tell you my address uh, offline so you can send gifts and praises. I want to say this to you, Delvin, until all your birthdays are one. Yes. (laughs) I think I got that right, right? Yeah. I mean, it it was very good comedic timing. Absolutely. I guess we're ready to get this show on the road. But oh, wait. Oh, wait. 
it's already been given away, but we have a guest and, and she's a lady. I think it's only fair that John gets the honors of introducing her. And if I were him, I'd lay it on pretty thick. So I have the honor and the privilege to introduce uh, the ever brilliant, the always beautiful, the amazingly sexy. And despite all of those things, she decided to marry me, my wife, my partner in podcasts and in life, the lovely Maggie Schaefer Hames. Face a tiger, you hit the jackpot. Yes. <laughs> yes. You did forget effervescent, though. Um, <laughs> I fail at that all the time. <laughs> Maggie has decided to come by and talk about this universe of Transformers. Well, we ask all of the guests on the podcast, even the ones married to me, apparently. What's your Transformers origin story, as it were? What? How did you get involved with this crazy, wacky world of robots in disguise? Well, John... As you know, <laughs> I came to Transformers late in life. It was probably some combination of actually the cartoon and the movie. And then eventually I started reading the Transformers IDW Phase 2 books. If I'm not wrong, I think the very first thing you ever saw Transformers-wise was More Than Meets the Eye, number one. It might have been. And I immediately fell in love with it. I liked the movie, too. But the IDW Phase 2 books are one of my favorite things that I get to interact with in my life. Don't worry, I'm a late bloomer, too. <laughs> oh wait sorry i said that out loud maggie do you have a favorite transformer oh man and um, know why ah, that critical thinking i have a couple of favorites tailgate is probably at the top of my list because he's adorable and small and genuine he's from phase two books i'm a big fan of starscream because I like good villains, and starscream's a good villain not that megatron isn't it's just that starscream kind of makes me think also of skeletor too and then one of the Autobots that's kind of come into my heart a little bit more recently is Ratchet as well. And in fact, over on the Rod Pod, we're covering a two-part episode in More Than Meets the Eye that kind of centers around the medic Autobot. I really like Ratchet. I like that he's crabby. I, I'm okay with that. I like that he's curmudgeonly and takes him a little while to kind of chill out. Well, I hope he shows up in this episode because mm -hmm. I, I, I think she is in luck. <laughs> <laughs> But oh, oh, sorry to bug you, but if you guys had to move, what Autobot would you like to help you move? <laughs> oh, Pat, I love you. That's a great question. It is. And, and why? If I was going to have a Transformer help me move, I would pick Omega Supreme Ooh. because he's shot. friggin' massive. Yep. We could move in one go. He'd just have to take a step to get from where we currently live to where we're going to move. It would be the most efficient move that we have ever gone through but how would you get the stuff from the house to him he couldn't get in the house to help you move <laughs> he just has to wait in the front yard we'll bring oh, the stuff man. to him okay see i have so many favorites i knew you were gonna ask me who my favorite was and i can't answer that because i like pretty much all of them that i've encountered for one reason or another well, there's nothing wrong with having an abundance of light for the Transformers, particularly on a Transformers podcast. So us for three have no issue with that, Maggie. I think <laughs> it just goes, you know, with the same. Till yeah. all are liked. <laughs> <laughs> you hit the jackpot and marry her, John. She hit the jackpot in covering Transformers issue seven, which we should probably start doing now. But let's get to a promo first. The Transformers will return after these messages. 
when you talk about comics, does it sound something like this? Look, you can't put the Superman number 77s with the 200s. They haven't even discovered red kryptonite yet. And you, uh, you can't put the number 98 with the 300s. Lori the Morris hasn't even been introduced. Or maybe it sounds a little more like this. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? What are you, cracked? Why not? I saw the other day he was carrying five elephants in one hand. Boy, you don't know nothing. Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. Yeah, maybe you're right. Would be a good fight, though. Hello, I am the constantly caffeinated Clinton Robinson, and my comics discussions can go to both extremes, but generally fall somewhere in between. On the Coffee and Comics podcast, I will review comic stories and other comics-related topics that can be enjoyed over a cup of coffee. So pour the coffee, or other beverage of choice, and join me on the Coffee and Comics Podcast, available on iTunes and coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers issue 7. And here's John with the cover description. Thank you, Delvin. Uh, in the corner box, we have, as always, the classic Marvel banner in the upper left, along with a great picture of Optimus Prime pointing. At the top of the cover are the words, more than meets the eye, with the classic, the Transformers logo with letters with red trim. The main cover features Ratchet holding a gun in his left hand, looking downward towards Buster Witwicky. His opponent... Megatron, standing partially shadowed in the background, looking very menacing. Ratchet says to Buster, Flee while you can, Buster. Megatron is the mightiest of Decepticons. I may not survive. In the UK, issue 26 was where you wanted to read this story. And for the first and only time, UK issue 26 had the entirety of issue 7. Usually they would split it in half and include a bunch of other stuff. But this time, they had all of issue seven. And the cover was also just a reprint of this cover, except without the word bubbles. So as we remember, in the last one, they had added word bubbles. And in this one, they took it away. Apparently, in England, they have a word bubble quota that they have to work it all out. So before I share my thoughts, I figure I will just pass the baton to our lovely guest, Maggie. Um, Maggie, what did you think of this cover? One of my big pet peeves with comic books that I didn't know was a thing until I started reading comic books is that some of them have covers that have nothing to do with the contents of the comic book. And I don't know why it bothers me so much, but I'm not a big fan of covers that either don't relate to anything that does actually happen in the story or is some kind of an exaggeration or a different version of what actually happens in the story. I don't. It's just not really my bag. So, I mean, we, we, you know, Ratchet and Megatron standing off, sure. The art on Megatron is kind of meh. His face looks weird. He looks kind of he like Darth Vader. He looks a little Vader. scrunchy, doesn't he? Like, yeah. Know, like he's, like he's hunchy. I don't know. Hunchy. His proportions hunchy. seem a little yeah. off. That's, hey, that's a word. Because <laughs> <laughs> I said it. It is now. Uh, Maggie, are you done? Do you have more? No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say Megatron looks hunchy. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, you know, I can see where Maggie's coming from. It's like, why is Buster on there and he's doing something that he's not doing in the comic at all? But it shows some menace, at least, and Ratchet at least stepping up to protect Buster or uh, figure out what he's doing. Art-wise, I think it's a, a decently drawn cover. 
I would argue and say that it actually more looks like Ratchet's going to reach down and grab Buster and then throw him at Megatron. I think he wants to use Buster as a weapon. (laughs) Couldn't be any worse or better than any other weapon Ratchet has. That's true. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Well, John, what do you think? I'm not a fan of this cover. I know the intent was to make Megatron look like he's emerging from the shadows, but I don't think the effect was achieved. The scaling doesn't work well, and Megatron does not look, I think Pat alluded to it, he does not look big. He looks like way out of proportion and small, and his his face is completely obscured to the extent that if I was looking at this person, I wouldn't recognize it as Megatron right away. It's only by a very closer look at that you can see his fusion cannon on his right hand. And Maggie's right that it does look like he's reaching down for Buster, and I'm not sure what Buster is supposed to be doing. That's an advanced telephone. He was talking to O. Fair enough. <laughs> And I mean, I, I guess I have to figure out everything around here for you guys. <laughs> but yeah, the background then just being the yellow with barely something drawn in on the right side. Yeah, not the biggest fan. What do you think, Delvin? Well, I was going to mention about Maggie. Like We've had this discussion over uh, on Crusader Chronicles. Like Sometimes the guys will get on a cover if it's too much on the nose. And your complaint is that it straight too far away from what the story was. So I, I don't really have a point there. I just think that it's, you know, that is interesting. You know, some people, you know, say tomato, some people say potato. So yeah. <laughs> just figured I'd bring that up. But as far as what I think about the cover, I guess if I were to defend the cover some, and I don't really have a reason to, but you know what, I'm talking here. Maybe Ratchet is standing on this platform of which Buster's using to call O. That's possible. I think they use Megatron's face in the shadow and his body in the shadow to make him look more menacing. They didn't necessarily have to because it's Megatron and that's enough of a menace. But I think that's kind of the scale that they were going for is that Ratchet is in the foreground, Megatron's in the background. Uh, And then they just wanted to put Buster in there just to have a human or maybe just to show a little bit of size difference. I think the cover is pretty well drawn. I think it's a good one. And I think it definitely uh, shows that Ratchet is in a lot of trouble because, you know, when he says I may not survive, it's like, okay, let's face it. If Megatron actually went head on against Ratchet, I mean, that would be a very quick fight. So, like, he definitely wouldn't survive. I think the cover would have done enough for me to want to get this book. And open it up to see what happened. So, yeah. Okay. That generated a lot of feedback. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, I move, <laughs> and I move on to the rating of the cover. Uh, for those who are new to the show, we hear Transformers Chronicles rate stuff on a scale of 1 to 10, just like the tech specs of the Transformers toys. 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest. And now, Maggie, now it's time for the ratings. What do you have? Uh, I'm going to give it a five. I'm not a fan. It's not terrible. And Delvin, I appreciate your ability to find the positives and things. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty confident in my five <laughs> on this one. I'm, I don't like it all that much. Cool. All right, let's move on to Pat. I'm going to agree with Maggie. I'm going with a five. It's the middle of a road. It does its job. Artwork is great. I'm interested in reading. Okay. All right, let's move on to Delvin. I'll give it a seven. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't mind the cover. I, I Again, like I thought it was good. I thought it was maybe not great, but it was good. And I thought it was well drawn. Uh, John? Uh, I'm going to give it a five, basically, for the reasons they said. So five it is. All right. Well, let's move on to Pat uh, with uh, the credits for this issue. 
Credits for this are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics and tfwiki.net. Publisher is Marvel Comics, first published in May 14, 1985. Cover date is August 1985. Script was Bob Budiansky. Pencils, William Johnson. Anchor was Kyle Baker. Colorist, Neil Yamtov. Letters go to Rick Parker. And editor is Jim Osley, also known as Christopher. You got another thing coming for you. Kyle Baker's a new inker in this one. He oh. was a big indie artist in the 90s. He did a comic called Why I Hate Saturn, too. He has a very um, interesting cartoonish style. But I did check it's the same guy. So I'm, I'm glad that you were able to, you know, picture something like that and not have me slip up. It's like, man, I've never really heard of Kyle Baker. And then have people in the comments like, you've never heard of Kyle Baker. I, I did my homework this time. Well, in that case, looks like uh, I will read the synopsis. So here we go. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world The Decepticons, now solidly under the leadership of Shockwave, are continuing their plans to strip the planet Earth of its natural resources. Buster Witwicky and Ratchet, being the last line of defense against the Decepticons, naturally go wandering around in the woods cooking hot dogs with a bunch of campers they come across. Like you would when the world's in peril. Buster suddenly collapses in pain related to his experience, last issue with Optimus Prime. Campers take Buster home, leaving Ratchet to deal with bigger problems. Elsewhere, Soundwave and Laserbeak, in their alt modes, with the unwitting help of two factory workers, gain access to and take control of an aerospace plant. Tony Stark, I mean GB Blackrock, breaks the news to his hospitalized employee, Josie, and vows revenge against the robots. But Josie seems to have plans of her own. Back in the art, Ratchet verifies for himself what Buster reported. The Autobots are hanging from the ceiling like slabs of beef, and the head of Optimus Prime has been removed from its body and kept functional. Ratchet nearly gives in to despair, but Optimus counsels Ratchet to act as a warrior to defeat Megatron. Very little confidence, Ratchet agrees. Buster, now home, is also despairing as to what to do with his father's auto repair business, while Sparkplug recovers in the hospital. Jesse and O attempt to cheer him up, but Buster's had enough of the both of them and tells them to leave him alone. After they leave, Buster is again overcome with head-splitting pain. He recovers, realizing that several metal objects have been floating in the air during his episode. Back at the art, Ratchet encounters Megatron and tries to be a warrior, but come on, Megatron. Megatron is about to finish Ratchet, when Shockwave orders Megatron to stop whatever he's doing and prepare Optimus for transport. Megatron complies but smashes the communications equipment after the call is over. Ratchet sees the dynamics of the leadership situation and bluffs to Megatron that he knows how Shockwave was previously defeated four million years ago and that he can defeat Shockwave now. Intrigued, Megatron agrees, sealing the deal with the ancient right of oneness, a bond that no Autobot has ever broken. Megatron figures that either Ratchet will defeat Shockwave, elevating him back to leadership, or will fail and be forced to return to be destroyed. 
Either way, Megatron wins. All right, let's talk about the book. We do a good bad format here where we let each uh, person from the show bring up something good or bad from the comic book and everyone discusses. So Maggie, give me something good or bad. Your choice. Well, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about issue number seven is that this is a fairly different ratchet than the one I'm familiar with. This one's a lot friendlier. And he, you know, he's showing the rando college kids in the woods how to cook hot dogs in your hand with a laser scalpel. That's kind of cool. And I do like that in the end, he stands up against Megatron, but then he's smarter about it because there's absolutely no way he could actually win in a straight up fight. So he's smart about it, which is something that is still the same in the IDW books. I I really like Ratchet's depiction. I like going back to the original versions of things and seeing how they're different to what I'm reading now, especially because my exposure to comics is so much more recent um, that it's fun for me to go back and see where these characters that I like so much came from. So this was a really good example of that. So I'm going to give Ratchet a lot of credit. I could talk about Optimus in a second, but I'll give give Ratchet a ton of credit because... He went back to the Ark and found that he was completely alone, which is, that's bad. And then, you know, he, he got not a really great pep talk from Optimus. And then he went looking for Megatron. He went looking for Megatron. I mean, that's pretty brave, right? Yeah. 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 He was being a good Autobot soldier in this one, even though he's a medic and he shouldn't have to do things like that. He's still an Autobot and he's a good Autobot. He is a field medic. Oh, okay. So he's okay. Kind of I mean, and and let's give any field medic props. Could you imagine having to do something like that in the face of absolute chaos? No. Yeah, that would be a, a very uh, brave uh, person. But as we have saw with Ratchet here, that doesn't necessarily make him a fighter. Just makes him highly skilled at what it is he does. Right. Mm-hmm. So, John, you have a high or a low? I'll start with a high. I love the entire sequence with Soundwave and Laserbeak sneaking into the plant with what's his name, Freddy, and it was the guys. What you just called them, Cliff and Norm, right? Yeah, actually, the two <laughs> guys. I, I gave them Cliff and Norm's voices in my head when I, when I read it, and it actually, if you do it, it works pretty well. I highly entertained myself that way. It, it was. It was. Uh, let's go make some jets. <laughs> No, I like that. It's like, hey, look, free boombox. You don't see these every day. And I love the art of just him blasting out. It it includes that same transformation sequence or a a version of it that Pat was talking about last issue. And him just exploding out of the the locker and then shooting laser beak out. This is a military installation again where they're making jet fighters. There are armed humans there again, soldiers there again, and they can do nothing. Soundwave and Laserbeak, the two of them just own this factory and it's very well put together. And poor Blackrock, he must be thinking at this point, why do they keep picking on me? What did I do? <laughs> yeah, Blackrock is rolling snake eyes when it's coming to the Decepticons. Everybody that works for him is getting like just owned. Yeah, <laughs> not much uh, in the way of employee safety there, even though he tried, you know, like. Had buffed up his weapons, but had no weapons on the inside. So eh, that wasn't necessarily the greatest plan for old uh, Tony uh, GB. I got a high, uh, but before I do that, I just want to give a big shout out to Rick Heineken. Uh, right away, we open up in his home state, Oregon, Mount Hood. <laughs> He's going to love you saying Oregon. He loves that. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get letters about that. He already has. He has. <laughs> 
Why? That's just how I talk. <laughs> <laughs> Look, but Pat, I, you're in a judgment-free zone here. I'm simply saying outside <laughs> of this judgment-free zone, there are others who would judge the way that you say Oregon. I would say Oregon? Yes, Oregon, not Oregon. Oregon? <laughs> Which way is it? It's Oregon. 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 I would have, yeah, you know. He can't help it, Delvin. Pipes aren't known for their good, you know, diction. They're just pipes. Mm. <laughs> good point. So, Pat, what about Transformers? Um, you know, I'd like this one a little bit uh, more to give you some background again on what was going on before, prior to this, how we get there, what happened to Buster. So you understand why he's getting these headaches. And I definitely like how Ratchet kind of starts to become his own and, you know, man's up or so to say. Yeah, I would say that extraordinary times call for extraordinary people. And he absolutely had to do this, right? There wasn't anything else he could do unless he just wanted to turn into an ambulance and just blend into earth and never be heard from again. He had to go and save his people and he did what he had to do. I'll give him credit for that. You know, that's a good point, Delvin. With everybody drunk up like slabs of meat Mm -hmm. and Optimus basically out of commission, he totally could have just resigned himself to that and just gone on to spend his life (laughs) as an ambulance. It seems a little silly to say it out loud, but (laughs) spend his life as an ambulance. But he could have. And he and he didn't, even though it's just him and one rather silly Fleshy weakling. <laughs> well, Prime kind of puts it in perspective with them. He's saying, look, Shockwave wants to use the creation matrix to make an army of Decepticons. You're it. Unless you can find that Spider-Man fellow. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever he went off to. <laughs> do, you ever, do you think that Prime is sitting there once Ratchet walks in? He's like, oh, crap, I should have waited before I gave him the creation matrix. Yeah. Ratchet would be way better at handling that. Yeah. I mean, but, but would he? Yes. Oh, yes. I, I think so. 100% yes. <laughs> uh, Ratchet. So. Here, Ratchet, take this and go in there and fix fraud. So let, let's talk about Optimus real quick. He hasn't made the greatest of decisions now, has he? Like, I mean, of course, he didn't know. He maybe knew Ratchet had been taken. Maybe. Would you and say he, he doesn't really have his head on straight? <sighs> oh, too soon. No. Too soon. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> Why do uh, you hate freedom, Pat, <laughs> which is the right of all sentient beings? Uh, Pat, good one. Now, um, I actually lost my train of thought because of that. <laughs> so, so I'm just saying, like, so he, what he, he told Buster to put, you know, the two electrodes against his head and shock the, the poor boy into unconsciousness. And didn't even tell him why. Nope. <laughs> he sure didn't. Now off with you. <laughs> I read that issue. And I seriously, when I got to that part, I said, oh, yeah, sure, kid. Here, just take these and put them on your head. And then I read a little further. I'm like, oh, my God, that's literally the plan here. <laughs> He's and, a human. And then he was going to die. Well, let's go to this issue. So Ratchet comes stumbling in, sees Optimus' head. And Optimus could have like, look, hey. I already took care of the Matrix thing by giving it to Buster Witwicky. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. He, cool. he doesn't even tell Ratchet. You're right. It's yeah, he has to keep it as cryptic as uh, Riker has to keep things from Captain Picard. Because <laughs> you ruined it now. You ruined it for me. I didn't know what he had. Oh, you did? I'm sorry. I thought that was revealed in this one. Mm-mm. Uh, well, no. No. 
Turtles hinted at. He's a lot, guys. <laughs> I thought maybe he just gave him some special power or something. Well, he did. I thought it was just some sort of like psychic link yeah, thing that yeah. he had done with him. And I've actually read the next issue and I didn't remember that's what it is. Is that what it is? Oh, I figured sorry. he still I... had it because he's saying he that's why they got his head. I don't know. He says that he has taken steps. Where is that? To secure the... The creation. I've already taken yeah. steps to thwart those plans, and I mean that's pretty vague. Well, but he could have told uh, Buster to go do something or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's the thing. He doesn't tell either us, the the reader, or Buster, the guy who got the thing, or Ratchet, the person who would be equipped to let him know what he got. Prime <laughs> gives no one any of this information. He, yeah, he's mad because he's just ahead. He's mad. he's just ahead. Now that said, I should do a high or a low, and I guess I'm going to give a high to the creative team here. Bob Budiansky is, or he started weaving a very good tale here. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. a David versus Goliath situation, and Ratchet would have died. He would have died in in seconds. If Megatron wanted him to. And he came up with a very good idea on the fly about how to save his bacon. And it was smart. So that was a very good plot by Budiansky. I also enjoyed the artwork. I thought the artwork, Mm -hmm. I thought the humans were drawn very well. And I thought that he did a good enough, William Johnson is his name. Yeah, he did a good enough job with the, uh, the robots in the issue too, from Shockwave to Megatron and Ratchet. Everything was clear and distinct. It didn't look like anything was rushed. So I enjoyed the artwork too. I'm with you there. I really like the art in both this and the next issue, especially compared to the last two. So I, I'll ask a question out of ignorance. Uh, does anyone know uh, of William Johnson? Uh, is it, did he write anything? Or excuse me, draw anything else that anyone knows of? Mostly covers. Uh, he did some Iron Fist, I believe. Ah, okay. Well, absolutely. Educate me, uh, listeners. If there's somebody or excuse me, if there's something famous that William Johnson uh, drew that maybe we can look into, let us know. I want to say he did some X-Men, too, but I am not as familiar with the X-Men. Okay, I have some familiarity with them, but can't think of William Johnson doing any run of any length anyway. So uh, let's uh, let's do another round. Uh, Maggie, do you have another uh, good, bad or high low? So I've listened to y'all's other episodes and have kind of liked the running commentary on Buster and O and Jesse. <laughs> I find them to be very obnoxious, <laughs> more or less. So I was a big fan of that whole scene with Buster telling him to get out of his... I, he put them in their place because, you know, you're so smart. Anyone could figure this out. And then he defends his dad because he abandoned his father in the hospital previously. And after promising him that he wasn't going to go off with the Autobots and then did just that. Yeah, he um, lied. He did to his dad in the hospital. Bad. He did not tell the truth. No, that's bad. That's not what good kids do. <laughs> that is not good. So I got a great deal of satisfaction out of that, actually, to see him screaming at O. Because O's being a big old jerk. I got, what was it? He shortchanges him on a soda. Yeah, he gets a... I got 50 cents change for a 60 cent soda. Yeah, <laughs> in your face, not only does your father have to pay hospital bills, but he's getting screwed out of soda. Yeah. Good luck using this 60 cents on your hospital bill. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, but apparently that rub that gets on Buster's last nerve, too, because we never see O again after this. This is... The end of O. Justly deserved, I feel. (laughs) Useless character. Join us next time for an O retrospective. (laughs) Oh, God. Poor O. (laughs) 
See, um, said no one ever. Well, Pat doesn't mind. Oh, he he cannot stand Buster for some reason. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure of his motivations, but he does not like Buster. Not because it, you haven't. I haven't seen what he's going to do or whatever. He's just kind of a whiny guy. Well, <laughs> he, he's in for uh, some big things. Well, not, now that you're telling me what he's got, yeah, of course, yeah. I'm with Pat, though. Buster has ruined all Witwickies for me. I just now call them all Buster, no matter if it's <laughs> Fletcher or Sam or whatever. They're Buster, and they're terrible. <laughs> I got faith for Buster. I'll, I'll hold out for him, because he was crazy enough to pal around with a bunch of alien robots just for the heck of it. So he's got a wild side. I dig that in him. John, <laughs> do you have a good or bad? I think it's hilarious. I think I, I mentioned last episode about how quickly Megatron was going to heal. Seems a lot better since his experiences in the last issue, considering he was near death and his eyes were all spring. Now he's just wandering around and grabbing and crushing uh, Ratchet's shoulder just by grabbing onto it. Oh, yeah, I felt bad for Ratchet. He like, <laughs> took a chunk out of his shoulder. He's like, hey. I thought that was great. Just the- That's rude. Well, yeah, it's Megatron. Megatron. <laughs> just the thing too is that i have a very different perspective on megatron having read into comics well off in the future it's a totally different kind of telling of megatron so for me to see him as just the grr i'm evil grr kind of megatron is actually really entertaining yeah megatron is not a nice guy Um, no he's not but but the second part of that is i did like that Optimus Prime didn't tell him to be a fighter. He told him to be a warrior. And a warrior is a thinking combatant. I mean, he's obviously has some skills because Optimus Prime chose him to go on this mission in the first place, which was just a mission to blow asteroids out of the way. He was able to see the situation unfold between Shockwave and Megatron and was able to um, think outside the box and use that to his advantage. And that would be what I think Prime was telling him to do as a warrior. I think you make a very good point making a distinction between a uh, warrior and a fighter because that's kind of the way I was thinking. Like, yeah, he needed to go and beat up Megatron, maybe force him to hit, I don't know, fix Autobots or something, but that's not necessarily what Prime said. And that's definitely not what Ratchet did, and nor could he because, again, Megatron. So also, using a field medic, we already discussed if you're a field medic, you have to have your head about you in the face of chaos. Yes. That's exactly what he did here, right? Yeah. I mean, he would go quick thinking. He, yeah, he he was gonna he was gonna die. <laughs> I mean, Megatron's gonna kill him, and he's like, wait, I, I got something, and and all it did, and, and even Ratchet said it, uh, it, this is buying me time. So yeah, good on Ratchet for that. You could almost see it as a moment where Ratchet actually behaves a little bit like Starscream, takes yeah. advantage of an opportunity yeah, and he turns it to his own advantage to buy himself some time so that Megatron doesn't explode <laughs> him. That's pretty much Starscream's main motivator and his way of going about things. So Ratchet yeah. did a good job. I, I really like the character. This was a lot of fun for me to read. Yeah. I love Ratchet. A little sneaky Ratchet there going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Pat, you got a high? Hello? Another one? Another high. I got two things here. Uh, sure. One is, as we talk about Ratchet's fight with Megatron, he got Megatron really good. He gave him a good bonk. <laughs> 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 then he got, like, just tossed away with <laughs> Megatron's arm, like, get off me, fly. Yeah. <laughs> Megatron's hungry after his experiences in the last issue. He's like, I am not letting that happen again. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, Megatron pretty much treated them like laundry, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just tossed them all over the doggone place. <laughs> Poor Ratchet. Yeah, he didn't have a chance. Could you guys tell me about the, the end part there where they're drinking each other's oil or fuel? Do oh, they right. do that more or is that? The right of oneness. Something like that does show up again in the IDW comics. Mm-hmm. But it's with the, they call it the innermost energon. Yes. This kind of introduces the idea, which I think builds to the innermost energon. But think, yeah, this probably. is mostly about a ceiling of an agreement, uh, okay, a signing of a contract sort of thing. It's a, it, but it's a sacred bond because you're actually sharing some of your life essence. Yeah, I mean, it's like a blood bond yeah, thing. Kind of like that. Yeah. Some fuel and set it both on fire, thus mixing it together and then <laughs> you destroying set your it. blood on fire. Well, no, you're burning. You're consuming the fuel without. Anybody getting to use it. So why is Ratchet's eyes kind of green like that? Because he's crying and the colorist is weird. Yeah, just a little dramatic effect. Much like when uh, his shoulder was grabbed and sparks came from his eyes. I don't think there's really much of a reason for it other than just being a little bit dramatic. Uh, Okay, I didn't know if it was like poisonous or something. You know, I don't know. I mean, I would generally think it's not good if someone grabbed your shoulder and crushed it. But... I also don't think that has anything to do with your eyes. No. But maybe robots are different. I can understand the confusion, though. When I was a kid, uh, my little brother had the exact same question. He spent years thinking that he had drunk the thing and gotten poisoned by it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So they don't drink it, do they? No, they just um, they pour it out and light it on fire. Oh, okay. And I thought maybe they were going to drink it, too. Then he drank it and then, you know... But it kind does of, have like maybe said like a blood pack or something like that, you know. I don't know. But it yeah. has a very lo- a large level or high level of significance that an Autobot won't break this. You're entering into a sacred. Co- okay. Because that's what Megatron wins about. How either way I win. Ratchet, if he is a true Autobot, if he is not able to fulfill the terms, like if he's not able to defeat Shockwave, he is supposed to come back to be destroyed. Okay. That's, so that's why he figures he wins. You know, I don't know if it's an either way I win. I can I can see some lose coming in there, Megatron. Because Shockwave finds out later, wait, you had an Autobot here and you let him go? Yeah, there, yeah. There's, there's several outs, but it looks like Megatron is relying on Ratchet to just be a complete do-gooder about the situation. And I, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that that could be a downfall of Megatron. Megatron's like, well... Yeah, go do my dirty work, and he completely is underestimating Ratchet's ability to do so. Maybe that's going to come back and bite him. Do you think he's doing it so he can buy time to get you know to power up more? Who Ratchet Megatron? Megatron. Megatron. I I think he truly thinks that Ratchet um, is being honest with him. I think, or he he figures he doesn't have anything to lose. That he can send Ratchet off, and just maybe he will find something that can destroy him. And I think the clue is in the um, very last panel. Uh, with the description of what is coming next issue. Yep. Because if you remember in issue four, it was Ratchet and Huffer who had discovered the tapes of them. Yeah. They had said. So they discovered their existence. So Ratchet knows about the Dinobots. He knows that they're, they were in the Savage Land, so he can possibly go look for them. Yeah, and I like that little recap, that little three-panel recap of that. Yeah, it was nice. I, I still get a kick out of the fact that it's the Savage Land. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I guess I, the way I figured it is, you know, there's no way they could really explain their way out of that. They had already mentioned it, mm-hmm. and the Savage yeah. Land is so unique. You know, it's on Antarctica, but it's like a jungle. Like you kind of can't 
retro retcon your way out of that one. I don't think. Well, they're still considering themselves part of the Marvel Universe proper at this point. That lasts until I think at least issue nine and into the UK one. There's some UK stories where they Roxanne Oil tries to make a move against GB BlackRock. And that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, Delvin? that leaves that leaves me for a higher low. And geez, um, we've covered a decent amount of stuff. Let's see. Do I have anything else? Oh, yeah. I'll mention a high. And that would be uh, Josie Beller. If anything, oh, it's yeah. more of a teaser. Seems like she's up to something, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed so. Indeed. Not going to give anything away. I already feel somewhat bad about giving away the Buster thing. Yeah, I you should. <laughs> Both of you should be ashamed of yourselves. I, 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 I have I, no I, idea. That's, I, I mean, do. I'm always ashamed of myself anyway, but it's <laughs> I want you to write on a chalkboard. I will not spoil things for Pat. I will. I will. Um, But with that, even without the specifics, I think we're getting the implication that two of our humans here are developing some sort of situation above and beyond themselves. Maybe John's wrong. Maybe it's just puberty. Maybe. (laughs) Does that happen to all boys? (laughs) Powers and things float. Yes. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. If I can add one last thing, I think is my my current fan theory with it is that all of the Buster scenes were um, actual hallucination by Buster after getting zapped by Prime, (laughs) that none of that's actually (laughs) happening. It's like, yes, Buster, look, we're your new friends. We're from college. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll have a drink. Get the hell out of my life, oh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's getting all of his fantasies of true. Yeah. I well, I thought he was getting rid of Owen. Brain. I thought he was getting rid of Owen Jesse because he wanted to hang out with his college friends. What I'm he got a real woman now, Jesse? Yeah, those those girls by the by the college girls they were kind of digging him. Man, that's cold. That's the case, Buster. Yeah, that's how Buster rolls. Oh no, I think you're assigning negative qualities to Buster because <laughs> you don't like him. <laughs> how old is Buster supposed to be? Is he like sixteen? At least sixteen. He's driving. Pops did let him drive. Yeah, he's talking about okay. college, so wasn't he? He's talking about getting into a school. Yes, he or, was because you know, his, dad did, his dad didn't want him to go to college. His dad wanted yeah. him instead to be a mechanic like he is. I want oh. you to be like me when you grow up yeah. to the point that if I get one heart attack, we'll be nearly bankrupt. <laughs> uh, anything else? I'm interested to read the next issue. Yeah, we got a few storylines going on, it seems. We got the Shockwave uh, and Megatron dynamic. We have what's going on with Buster dynamic. We have what's going on with BlackRock and Josie Beller. Mm -hmm. We have Ratchet now seemingly going to have to find the Dinobots to maybe take out Shockwave. So there's that. And we got all of the Autobots still laying in the... You know, and like yeah, slap and beats and we don't know how the heck they're going to get fixed. Yeah. A lot of stuff. So I'm got to give kudos to Bob for that because uh, it's only been five, six, seven. So three issues since the origin story. And he's mm-hmm. already weave, weaving uh, quite a heck of a tale. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I think these last three issues have definitely been bigger story building going on that have, you know, continue to have me wanting to read more. Uh, so far, it's been an entertaining story, and it's it was entertaining for me reading it as a kid, but it's entertaining for me reading it as an adult uh, now as well. 
Maggie, we've heard from the boys. We got to have a little bit of class here. Could you tell us what you think so far? I have read the next issue and I did really like the next issue. I thought it was a lot of fun. Don't Um, don't spoil it for Pat. No, I'm not. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm just saying that I like. She's a good one. She is the good one there. (laughs) That's right. I am the good one. Told you. She came in. (laughs) (laughs) And like I said before, I, I appreciate going back and seeing the roots of something that I love now here in the present. So I've been kind of getting a kick out of reading these comic books and talking to John and just like completely blowing my lid at some of the absurdities that I come across in this. But I like seeing the differences and I like seeing the things that have still carried over so many years later. All right. Now's the time for us to talk about who had the touch, where we talk about which character in the book stood out the most Autobot Decepticon or human. Dealer's choice. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. So uh, I'll start. A few heroes in there, but I'm going to go with the main man there. I'm going to go with Ratchet. Ratchet stepped up. And he did exactly what he had to do in order to at least start helping the cause of the Autobots. I mean, somebody's got to around here. Optimus Prime just sitting there like being ahead and everything. So looks like Ratchet's going to have to be the one to step up and be the hero for now. Uh, John, who do you think? Oh, uh, oh, uh, finally, by leaving this comic and never coming back as the only smart human in this entire town. He's been trying to leave forever, and finally he's just had enough. Plus, he got a soda for 10 cents, so... That's the touch right there. Oh. He had the touch on that soda <laughs> machine. Yeah, I'm going to go with O. See, little do o. you guys know, O comes back, and he's actually Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> oh, that explains so much. Well, you know, you just got to believe. Who do you think had the touch? I'm going to fly in the face of reason, and I'm actually going to pick Buster. But let me tell you why. He made friends so easily out in the woods. So obviously, friendly guy. He finally put O in his place and kicked him out, not only of his dad's auto shop, but the comic books as a whole. So (laughs) I, I commend him for that as well. He also has some sort of... I say some sort of for you, Pat, alien Autobot technology messing around with them. And he's dealing with that not entirely well, but at least he's still alive. And I think that's impressive, too. So I'm going to say Buster gets the touch. Way to go, Buster. Pat. Yeah. Well, I definitely have to go with Ratchet on this one. He was the guy that stepped up. You see his progression from last issue to this issue. And as he grows and grows, he took on Megatron. Got to give the guy props. And lived. And lived, yes. Mm-hmm. For now. Yeah. For now. <laughs> well, he must, yeah. 
Well, if we've talked about the touch, then we need to talk about somebody who was out of touch in the segment called Less Than Meets the Eye, where we talk about the character that was worse in the book and they should have green tears shooting out of their eyes. Who is less than meets the eye to you? Well, this ain't going to be a shock to you guys. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Who is it, Pat? It's Buster. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, the total opposite why, of what Maggie said. <laughs> <laughs> Everything Maggie said, but it's the opposite. Oh, Pat. <laughs> I don't got anything to say. Just you was such a roll of um, emotions, <laughs> and that it's like I don't know. I, I I don't know. There's something about that kid that bothers me. I don't we're know gonna we are gonna get you to help. You so richly deserve. <laughs> Am I the only one that feels that way? Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, let me ask Listener Land out there. Am I the only one that feels this way? Hashtag I hate Buster. Yep, yep. Hashtag I hate Buster. <laughs> so, I think that's a fair hashtag. John, who's less than BCI for you? Uh, that's a tricky one because everybody pretty much does a pretty good job throughout here. So I have to just go with Megatron just because, I mean, yeah, he's playing the odds, but I don't know if the best bet would have been to just if you have the last remaining Autobot, as far as you know, in your hands, you probably shouldn't let him go. I mean, you could get some sort of advantage from him. If if nothing else, you could torture him or get information on something about the arc where he currently is that Shockwave might not know. There's a number of other things he could have done. But instead, he was like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to send him out and see see if he comes back with somebody. Otherwise, <laughs> I'll get to kill him later. So Megatron, but, it is. But Megatron now, does Megatron not know that the Dinobots are out there? Uh, Megatron does not know that. No. Now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does he even know what the Dinobots are well, at this point? It's tricky. I mean, oh, I suppose, yeah. Back for next week or yeah. next month's episode, we can talk about that. But there's some weird stuff about where the Dinobots even came from in the first place. Yeah. Ratchet knows, fun. but okay. Uh, Ratchet yeah. knows, but he doesn't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ratchet knows, and he's going to have to go looking for them mm-hmm. and find them because he's going to need their help. Because if he can't take out um, Megatron by himself, he probably can't take out Shockwave either. My turn for less than meets the eye. And you know what? I think I'm going to go with Optimus Prime. I'm going to be I'm going to be hard on my leader there because I think and I, I know that he was put in a bad spot, but I just don't think his plan is necessarily the greatest. I don't know. Maybe he just put out, but uh, and he had to deal do with what he had to do. But I haven't been impressed with Optimus yet. He, he really needs to shine for me. Um, yeah, something at, like his head's just not in the right place. Right. You know? <laughs> That's never going to get old. No, no, it's not. <laughs> Pat, Pat is a man ahead of his time, right? <laughs> All right. I'm busting out some good ones. <laughs> so, Maggie, who's less than MCI for you? Uh, Delvin, I'm going to agree with you. I I had chosen Optimus for my less than meets the eye for this issue, too, because and retroactively, I'll be honest, for last issue as well. I don't think his plan is good. Like you said, putting whatever it is that he did into Buster Witwicky's head was the first probably bad idea. And then telling Ratchet, 
well, you're the only one, so how about you go fight Megatron and tell me how that goes? And it also kind of seems like Optimus doesn't even realize that Shockwave is the one who's in control, because otherwise he would have sent Ratchet to go fight Shockwave instead of Megatron, right? I right? think Optimus knows who's truly I mean, he knows that right? Shockwave was the one who killed all of them yes. <laughs> by blowing them up. But I wonder if he knows that Shockwave has then taken over. Then why did he send him after Megatron? I don't know. That's a very good point. Yeah, it is. Was he thinking Megatron would help him put Optimus back together again? Or no. some, he, maybe he thought he was being conniving. I'm not sure. But mm. it, it seems odd that he would send Ratchet to go fight Megatron, who's not currently in control of the Autobot. Although or Megatron was probably the only only one left in the arc. Was it because he was the closest one? I guess so. <laughs> That's weird. Well, why not tell him here? Find some parts. Fix an Autobot. Yeah, yeah if you've got yeah, the time, yeah. how about you patch someone up, buddy? So Optimus Prime gets less than meets the eye. I don't think he's thinking too clearly. His head's not in the game. <laughs> head's not in the right place. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Hmm. Okay, then. Let's uh, talk ratings. We do one to ten around here. Tech specs, something, something, something. Maggie, what do you think? One in ten. Where would you rate this book? Overall, for this issue, I I would give it an eight. Well, do I mean that when I say that? I'll Stay give it a seven. Me. How about that? Crank it okay. down. I do kind of like what it's leading up to, but so I can only say that because I know what happens next, kind of if I'm remembering it correctly. But overall, I thought the art was pretty good. I I did find it entertaining, even if it wasn't entirely intentional. So I think. Overall, and 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 I'll give it props too because of of Ratchet being the primary focus and kind of being a cool showcase for a character that I happen to quite like. Now, I'll give the book an, a seven. Okay, great, John. What do you think? Uh, it's an eight for me. There are very few things wrong with this book, if anything. The Soundwave and Laserbeak fight scene was very well put together. The Ratchet and Megatron fight was great. The pacing is pretty wonderful as it's been for the past two. A lot of Agreed. a lot of story mm-hmm. is told here, but very quickly. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't feel if it's rushed or if it's too bunched together. So it's an eight for me. Cool. Pat? I'm going to go with Jonathan. It's an eight. I think Jonathan said it best. You know, the story was well put together. It had me turning the page and turning the page. It's like, what, 23 pages of story? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it went by pretty quick. There was, you know, a lot of explanation in different areas, but it still was a quick read through it. Definitely looking forward to to more. You know what, guys? Uh, I'll add one more eight to the list here. I, I think it was good. I enjoyed the artwork. Somehow, um, William Johnson gave a look to Ratchet that he was clear, clearly a robot, but he, he had human quality, yeah. and it was it was very good. Uh, he did good with the Transformers. He did good with regular humans. Overall, uh, the book was well written and uh, plotted out, and I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next. All it, all good signs. That's a really great point, Delvin. Is that this particular issue? I think is the one that I've noticed. You have more, um, you know, expression in their faces especially Ratchet's face with all that he's going through. So yeah. you can kind of sense what he's what's happening. So this is really more good character development. You know, there's a some short transforming here and there, but this is more of a character side of it. That's really interesting because Ratchet has throughout his existence in any form in, in comics after this one is always a very emotive Autobot, and I think it stems back from this issue where they just draw him with the variety in his face. I mean, mm-hmm. in the IDW one that we 
Let's see, Ash, Ratchet displays many emotions, most of them anger. <laughs> He's a different sort of folk in, the, in that other one. Mm-hmm. Might- I agree, though. I thought particularly the artwork on Ratchet in this one was really good. I liked his face quite a bit. They did it right. Let's move on to the Transformer Spotlight, where John is going to feature a particular Transformer in today's issue. All yours, John. Today, we are going to do Ratchet. Here is what you would see if you bought or saw Ratchet in the store or bought him and turned around and looked at the back of his box. His allegiance, his Autobots, function, medic, his motto, you break it, I'll remake it. Ratchet was the best tool and die man on Cybertron. In his work bay on Earth, he can make anything from a pin to a missile. Repairs injured Autobots given the right parts likes to party, which is uh, mentioned in this comic. He's, yeah, he likes yeah, to cook hot dogs around an open fire. But... That's what, that, apparently that constitutes party, party? for him. <laughs> <laughs> but does his job as well as anyone. Has laser scalpels, arc welders, electron microscopes, circuit sensors, fluid dispensers at his disposal. Sometimes his having a good time interferes with his effectiveness. That's really funny to think to me, because that is not the ratchet that I'm familiar <laughs> with at all. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, as we said, his stats are as follows. His strength is a 4, his intelligence is an 8, his speed is a 4, his endurance is a 5, his rank is a 7, courage is 8, firepower is 3, and skill is 10. If we remember at all what Megatron's stats mm-hmm. were from last month, mm-hmm. we can really, really get a gauge on how outclassed he was in that fight. Completely. But with his courage at an eight, you can definitely see where he was stepping up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now it's time for truth bombs. Ooh. Woohoo. Truth bomb time. <laughs> Ratchet was. <laughs> <laughs> that's my bomb. That's your, that's your bomb sound? Yeah. It's a good sound. Ratchet was originally supposed to be female. The name was supposed to be an homage to Nurse Ratchet from Ken Kesey's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Hasbro said no, likely because they had already committed to a policy that the Transformers would have no gender, which is why they're all referred to as he, which last I checked, is a gendered pronoun. So basically just meant no girls allowed. According to Bob Budiansky, an exec in charge of Boy's Toys, who was a woman, said that they couldn't have a female character in a boy's toy line, seemingly ignoring the fact that Star Wars and G.I. Joe both had their token female characters. <laughs> Two years later, female Autobots were introduced on the cartoon Alita 1 and Chromia. And a year after that, R.C. debuted in the animated movie. Today, there are over 30 named female characters in various Transformers continuities. So in your face, nameless Hasbro exec from the 80s, girls can play too. I don't know. Uh, his original toy uh, bears some mentioning. He and Ironhide were this, were of the same mold. Their robot forms oh, and their yeah. toy look absolutely nothing like either of them are depicted. Yeah, they're, uh, they're ugly. Yeah, and it's because in the original Diaclone uh, line of toys in Japan, the idea was that these were not um, autonomous robots, they were mecha. That's nowhere more clear than in Ratchet and Ironhide, who have what is supposed to be a chair up where their head is, and there was a little human in there. But since they didn't have that, they instead put a face on the back of the chair, and it looks stupid. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, but his ambulance itself looks pretty neat, and he had that uh, repair bay, which uh, is 
been recycled in several continuities as early as next month uh, as the MARB, the Mobile Autobot Repair Bay. Uh, Ratchet is a favorite of Bob Budiansky's and Simon Furman. Both of them use him periodically. They both seem to be uh, big fans of him. That probably has led to him being a principal character throughout the IDW ones as well, particularly Phase 2, where he is a one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's all I have to say about Ratchet. Yeah, I'll uh, throw uh, Pat a spoiler. Not really. Uh, it's, it's years from now. But Ratchet and Megatron are involved in a storyline some years down the line. That's quite interesting mm. as well. This is the start of their history. It's true. And because of that, in every in the IDW books, they wind up, even though it's a completely different continuity and the things that happen here don't technically haven't technically happened there. It's so important that they do tend to reference it and they always give the two of them a pretty important relationship. Hmm. Oh, go ahead, Pat. Oh, I was just going to say that that's kind of interesting. Yes, it is. So we will ponder over this promo break. The Transformers will return after these messages. Trekker Talk. A fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by writer and artist Ron Randall. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. Please join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in this excellent retro sci-fi adventure series. Special episodes feature interviews with Ron Randall himself discussing Trekker and his other comics. We hope you'll join us as we travel from the dangerous back streets of New Gallif to the depths of outer space and everywhere in between. Listen at Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit trekkertalk.com. Trekker Talk is part of the Rad Adventures Network at radadventuresnetwork.com. We now return to the Transformers. Now it's time for social media likes and shares where we heap praise upon the audience for listening to us. Us. We really appreciate all the love and attention we get from the show that we don't get in real life. Well, speak for yourself. Yeah. I mean, right. (laughs) Um, I think it's true for me. (laughs) It's true for me right now. Um, The missus is asleep. So these like, shares, retweets are from Transformers Chronicles episode five, uh, where we were talking about Transformers five. Let's. Start with uh, social media like shares and retweets from Aaron Head Moss, Aaron Henley, Al Sedano, Allison Harder, Sally Aris, Articulated Toy Den, Austin Kuykendall, Bill Beer, Cast Dice Podcast, Hey Bradford, Chris at BTO and Fat Books. Let it roll! Okay, we should keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's your show, guys. Chuck Rodriguez. Clinton Robinson. Hi, Clinton. And his uh, podcast, Coffee and Comics. Comics in the Golden Age. Darth Ron. David Basildua. Next up is Dave (laughs) Baish. Derek William Crabb. Dustin Stab, Firestorm fan. Fozzie, owner of 
of a lonely shark. Now that's interesting. That's, that's so much better than a owner of a broken shark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> I got the one pun, but not the second one. Gabrielle Isaac Bloomer. Gene Hendricks. Jerry Green. Green Lantern HG. Hal Jordan. The always present Ivan Chudley. Okay. Now it's Jared Albrick. All, right? Who? I think, Wait. I think, I think yep. it's all I think it's Albrick. Pretty sure. Albrick? <laughs> I don't know now. Uh, I can't. I know John's no. wrong, but now I don't remember how he says it. No, it, 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 it's it's all brick. But like, okay, good. I, but it, it's a running gag. To, to oh, I know, I know, but I did not want to be a part of that. <laughs> I want to say it the right way. <laughs> Next well, up, I pronounced is, Jason's right last month, but this well, time Jason's he didn't not a hard name to, to pronounce. No, <laughs> whichever he decided not to like us this time. <laughs> 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 yeah. Jared knows his name. Uh, next up is Jeffrey Brown. Josh Bondi. Ken Solo. Laurel. Lloyd Stephen Pennison Jr. M. Anthony Geraldo. Rico Suave. Manuel Melendez. Mike Garvey. Nate Niles. Noah Magnana. Philip O.H. Is that Philip Ohio? Not sure. I've never been to Philip, Ohio. I've been to. No, that's O. Oh, Philip O. It's O's alias. Professor Frenzy. It's the show. Next up is Rad Adventures Network. Thanks, Ruth and Darren. Reggie Hancock. Uh, Rick Heinichen. Ross Michaud. He's also Canadian Daredevil and Canadian Kingpin. Keep it down the down low, though. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is Ruth Sutherland by herself. Ryan Daily and Sam Lowe. Ciscoid. Hey, thanks, Ciscoid. Next up is TFU.info. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for listening. Tracy <laughs> with a whole bunch of Halloween emoticons and emoticons. Pumpkin balloon knife skull. Tracy <laughs> pumpkin balloon knife skull. Thank now, that would be an interesting name. Pumpkin balloon, balloon knife skull. Trey Teft. Unpacking the power of power pack. Foosh. <laughs> Yay. Call back. No power like the power pack, power because the power pack, power can't stop. There we go. <laughs> say what? We, 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 we've, we've, got to, we've got to say that every time. Contractual obligations, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, next up, Warlord Worlds. Then we have our one, the only Weasel Skull. There's Jason. Yeah. There's Isn't that Jason Albrecht? That is Jason Albrecht. He's cool. I like his brother, Jared Albright. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> Jason Albrecht, Jared Albright. Jason Albrecht's a great guy, and so is his brother, Jared Albright. Those are two really Once cool guys. Jason spells his name, his last name as I'll be rich, and Jared spells his name as I'll be bright. Yes, <laughs> that's the distinction. Mm-hmm. I think you cracked the code, Pat. Uh, so we're going to move on to social media comments. John, you can go first, man. Hicks at reading underscore Hicks said yet again, so the next episode is about Transformers again? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, Paul. Pretty much. I yeah. think it's going to be that every time. Well, yeah, Paul, Um, if you want some variety, I'd suggest you pop over to our podcast on the Rod Pod. <laughs> and, oh. We talk about the Transformers. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. 
Ryan Daly says, if Transformers like Shockwave can fly in robot mode and in laser gun mode, doesn't it stand to reason that the alt mode doesn't affect flying ability? The Autobots should be able to fly in car mode. I agree, because I think it's kind of silly that Shockwave can transform into a gun and then fly through space. He transforms into a space gun. Right, yes, the the well-known space gun that flies. Laser. Is tech specs even say so? But he's saying that cars should be able to fly because alt mode has nothing to do with flying ability. Therefore, Autobots can well, fly. Well, obviously, if a gun can fly, then a car should fly. Has the have the it's Autobots just, never seen Back to the Future? That's silly talk. Jetfire can fly. Jetfire doesn't turn into a car. Oh. I think Ryan just asked that question just to trip us up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm perfectly content to ignore it. It's a philosophical question. Only if you think about it, Maggie. Only if you think about it. <laughs> Only if you think about it. <laughs> and you're giving in to Ryan. I'll give in to him. So I will move on. Um, uh, looks like we have a math equation from uh, Jared Albright, the yard sale artist, who says, let's see, three hosts plus one guest. Divided by five episodes times 60 minutes of episode equals great show. Nice job, team. Wait a minute. There's no sarcasm there. I almost regret calling him Albright. I can't argue with that because it's not really what constitutes an argument. Thanks, Jared. I like his math. (laughs) Me too. It was was definitely good math, even though it was bad math. So Pat (laughs) pulled us out. His math was, you know, that's about 50-50. Yeah, it's almost that. Six of one and half dozen of you. Bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. It's a horse apiece. Ivan Chudley wrote in and said, okay, comic red podcast listen to. This comic is a 7 out of 10 for me. Great story and loving Shockwave as I only know him from the cartoon and we did not get a lot of him here. So we'll be nice to see where he goes from here. But some of the artwork and the colors are not good and podcast great as ever. Because of the weird way that he insists on spelling colors, I'm going to be reminded <laughs> that Ivan is from across the pond and got to grow up reading the really cool, mysterious uh, Transformers UK comics, which we may get to in a couple of months here which is why i'm really tempted to always pronounce his last name as cooley because i know he's from the british isles and it seems far more likely that it would be pronounced like coo instead of chud but i'm probably wrong i don't know i just really his name yeah because gaelic is a weird language and some of those last names are still based on things like that and, and i know Ooh. in gaelic means black and i don't remember how it's spelled but uh, are you brit splaining ivan's name to him <laughs> no, not to him you guys no. He calls himself what he wants. I'm just saying. He also says that he's so looking forward to this one. I'm going to assume it's because I'm here explaining his last name that I'm probably wrong about. <laughs> and he doesn't even know it yet. Well, now I have to know. So Ivan, tell us, is your yeah. last name Chudley? Is it Chudley? Or How do you pronounce your last just name? Been polite all of this time. Yeah. Right. Crying so inside a little bit more. They yeah, don't. Today will be the day they call me it right. We could have been mangling his name all this time, and we don't know it. So he's like, uh, bloody hell. <laughs> and that's the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue number eight. If you'd like to hear from us more, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. You can find Transformers Chronicle separately on Spotify if you want to just look up Transformers Chronicles by itself. 
However, we would love for you to check out Longbox Crusade. You can find that on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers. You can find us on Twitter at Longbox Crusade, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, Longbox Crusade. And YouTube, we have a do it live stream once a month, every second Sunday, about 4.30 Eastern time, 3.30 Central time-ish. So yeah, John and Maggie, why don't you tell us about your podcast and where you can be found? Uh, you can check out the Rod Pod if you're into more Transformers talk, where we cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order. And also Married with Comics, where we talk about pretty much everything else. Both of them are under the Married with Comics umbrella. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcatcher places. On Twitter, we are at MWC underscore podcast. And on Facebook, just look for the Married with Comics podcast or email us directly at marriedwcomics at gmail.com. What about you, Pat? Where can we find you? Well, you can find me on the Twitter at ChrisTatos01. Where can we find you, Delvin? You can find me... On Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. And we cannot say goodbye without thanking Maggie so much for coming mm-hmm. on and uh, gracing us with her presence. Thank you so much for coming, Maggie. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. You are definitely welcome back. We appreciate all of your comments and all your insights. And also making us wonder if we're mispronouncing Chudley. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Never should have said anything. I'm probably wrong anyway. Find out Just ignore me. Two months. <laughs> yeah. Months. Even now we're going to have to wait another month to find this out. I know, I, I, but I can't wait to find out. I love learning new I mean, stuff. Could you could him, just but, ask him. Why? We should just wait for it to play out. I suppose, yeah. Yes, we're, we're we're waiting for it to play out. I, I I we we will promise each other we're not going to ask him. Like even after this, we're going to wait till the podcast. Comes out. <laughs> all right. See you next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. To all are one. Till all, all are one. one. I, I still don't. Till all are put back together. Close enough, Pat. Close enough. Till all are Ivan Chudley. <laughs> 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 to all the coolies. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. And done never what you've never run, you're winner. Got the moves, you know the streets, break the rules, take the heat, you're nobody's fool. You're at your best when the going gets rough. You've been put to the test, but it's never enough. You got the touch You got the power When all hell's breaking loose You'll be right in the eye of the storm You got the heart You got the motion You know that when things get too tough You got the touch 
all songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Just what it takes, you're a fighter.